This is a Woodside Church podcast. Great to be back here. Um, we've been away most of the last few months, um, but great to have the opportunity of being back here with you. I'm going to speak on the subject of multiplying faith. And just by way of introduction, the other elders have asked me to preach in a way that I feel is prophetic for where we are as Woodside and an encouragement to us as a church rather than be part of the current series that has been on aspects of love. And so that's what I'm going to do. This is what I felt God gave me for you. And so, multiplying faith, the title has two meanings. It's a bit ambiguous. It could mean two things. And that's deliberate. It could mean faith to see multiplication, or it could mean our faith being multiplied. Okay? And we've, I've given that title deliberately because I want to speak about both. Let me explain the word faith. Because the word faith is actually used in two ways. So often we talk in Britain today about faith groups. As different from the secular society around us. And there it means people who actually believe something about God. And for Christians... That word is used in the Bible. It says, one of the writers in the Bible says this in the New Testament. The faith that once for all time was delivered and given to God's people. That is the faith we believe. That's the Bible that we stand on. That's what we believe. Now, we don't multiply that because that's been given for all time. However, the word faith is also used in other contexts. So, for example, when the disciples were with Jesus on a boat and there was a terrible storm and the waves got high and they thought, even though they were experienced fishermen, they thought that the boat would sink. Jesus was just calmly asleep. And they said to him, wake up, don't you care? We're about to die. And he just says, he rebuked them for their lack of faith. (laughs) Okay? That is, now faith in that way is trusting God in every circumstance, stepping out and doing things for God, whatever the situation is, trusting that God will come in for us. And that's the faith that I want to talk about today. So... And I believe that God wants to, for us in Woodside, to multiply our faith and give us faith for multiplication. Because we are a family, yes, and that's extremely important, as Ruth just explained. We're also not just a family that sits around enjoying one another's company, 
but we're a family on world mission together. Okay, we are agents for God's mission to transform the world. That's who we are. And over the years, because Scylla and I have been privileged to be part of this church since it started, and I know we don't look that old, but uh, we have been <laughs> the church right from the beginning. And we have multiplied many times over the years. We've planted churches, and we planted a lot of churches up into the Midlands area of the UK, of which many are prospering and doing really well and multiplying themselves. You've released and supported my own ministry, where, which has resulted in churches being planted in many different countries. And you've served many aspects of the kingdom. So this is not new. This is saying, okay, it's time again to take stock and believe we can multiply for God's purposes in this world. Now, the story I'm going to read later, because I'm going to read the scripture at the end, for reasons I'll explain, actually comes... And it's one of the very few stories that comes in all four of what we call the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament. That's the second half of the Bible, written by four guys called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they give an account of the life of Jesus. And all four contain this story. As I say, there's a few stories that come in all four Gospels. One, of course, is the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That comes in all four. His resurrection from the dead comes in all four. And his telling the church to go into the whole world with the gospel comes in all four. Christmas doesn't come in all four. That's strange, isn't it? Okay. Two of them don't start with Christmas. You might say, isn't that the most important in England? That's what we're always looking forward to, isn't it? Christmas. Center of everything, Christmas. It's interesting. When I go to some other countries, particularly Russia and Ukraine, Easter is what matters. Churches don't grow much over Christmas, but Easter. They double in number, they do special events. I actually think that's probably more biblical, but it'll take more than us to change the culture of England. Okay, so... <laughs> the other thing is, we've had communion this morning. Uh, it's always nice in Russia to preach on communion Sunday. Because they do it once a month, and people know what Sunday that's going to be. Try and make sure they're not away on communion Sunday. That's got absolutely nothing to do with what I'm preaching about, but I just wanted to throw it in. You know, it's against, we've got lots of things to learn in the church in this country. And one of them is, is, is the importance of communion, that we really want to be there. Okay, so, the story that I want to tell is this. 
because I'll tell the story first. It was a time of considerable pressure on Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had just sent his 12 apostles or 12 disciples on their very first mission trip around Galilee to visit towns before Jesus himself visited there. Now, Jesus had chosen 12 apostles, 12 leaders that he was training. That was very, very important. It wasn't an accidental number. It was the Jewish people said the whole people of God were the 12 tribes. So when Jesus chose 12, he said, I'm now renewing Israel. I'm not in that sense starting again. I'm renewing the people of God and there's going to be 12 again. And one of the first things he did was send those 12 on mission because he was saying, this new renewed people of God are going to be a missionary people. Okay, that's what he was doing. So he was sending this renewed Israel on mission, which previously Israel had failed to do. And he sent them out in a way that required faith. So he said, take no money, no bread, don't take an extra coat. What does he mean by that? Well, their extra coat was their blanket at night. They had to trust that they would be given hospitality, food, and a place to eat wherever they were. That's an amazing step of faith. Imagine that. Now, to be frank, it's a little bit easier in the Middle East than it would be in the UK because they're so hospitable there. Yeah. But they had to trust God. He'd provide for them each step of the way. So they were already learning about faith. And it was both exciting and tiring. That's what mission is. They had to heal the sick, anointing them with oil, teach about the kingdom of God, which they were only just beginning to understand. And most of it they still didn't understand. Could I just say, if you're a new believer here, don't wait until you know lots of things before you start teaching others. Just teach others what you already learned yourself. Start like that. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're a theologian like Martin. Don't do that. Wait. Don't wait till you know it all. Don't wait till you've read the whole Bible. Teach what you've got. That's what the disciples did. They understood very little at this point. But the little bits they did understand, they passed on to others. And you don't have to be well qualified to pray for the sick. Okay? You just have to step out. You don't have to be well qualified to set people free from demonic power. You just step out. And this is joyful, but exhausting work setting people free from demons particularly I've done a few tours where I've done that most of the time I tell you it's exhausting so these disciples really needed a rest 
Also, King Herod had recently had John the Baptist beheaded. John the Baptist was the other preacher of the day. And he'd just been beheaded because of a foolish promise that Herod made, probably while drunk, after a young girl had danced well. When Herod then heard about Jesus' teaching and healing, he wondered, is this another troublesome prophet? Or even John himself raised from the dead, and he wanted to see Jesus. But not for good motives. Now, somebody who has just executed the other preacher wants to see you. Okay. So there were these two pressures. The return of the twelve after their exhausting mission. And Jesus said to them, you need to get away now to rest and feed back. Both important after such a time. We are made to naturally to need rest. Excitement, hard work, spiritual highs lead to a need for rest. And this is what Jesus had planned here. And then the second pressure was the threat of persecution from Herod. Opposition, persecution, times of testing. However, it was not the full break the disciples needed. They had tried to rest and had no doubt spent some time on the boat reporting back. They got into a boat to go to a lonely place to rest. But when they got to this wonderful, relaxing place where nobody lived, they said, wow, they're going to relax. If they were 21st century English people, they said, or British people, they said, we're going to have some me time. I hate that expression. (laughs) But never mind. It's what our culture says. We all need me time. (laughs) Well... They didn't get any, because when they landed, a whole crowd of people, 20,000 approximately, because there were 5,000 men plus women and children, had run round the shore. Now, Sarah and I have been there recently, and you go on the boat, and you can see that hill where this miracle that I'm going to tell you about took place. And it's a lot longer to walk round the shore to get there, But these people ran round the shore because they said they're going to go there. And when they got arrived, all this crowd was waiting for them. And Jesus, instead of telling the crowd to go away because we need a rest now, started healing people and teaching again about the kingdom of God. More than that, for these disciples' perspective, Jesus went on and on teaching all day. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a meeting where the preacher's gone on a bit and you thought, I wonder when he's going to stop. Now, I know you probably haven't experienced anything like that, but this time... Jesus was teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. In the end, it seems, the disciples interrupted him and said, these people are hungry. They've been here all day. They haven't eaten. It sounded very compassionate. 
Send them away so they can go into the villages around and buy some food for themselves. And we can get a rest. But... (laughs) Then Jesus said, you give them something to eat. What? Exhausted, fearing persecution, listening to Jesus teach all day again. Then he says, you feed them. Now, they'd never, ever seen food come out of nothing. At least on their previous trip, when they were sent out to heal the sick, they'd seen Jesus do that. But they'd never seen this. What's he mean? You feed them. God asks us to believe him to do the impossible and he does so when we're under pressure feed these people well first thing they had to do was organize them that sounds a bit strange come on just to go to a miracle do a miracle no jesus said organize them first set tell them to sit down in groups of 50 imagine you've got 20,000 people Hungry, exhausted, you're hungry and exhausted too. And your first job is to make sure they sit down in 50s. Now, can you imagine? What they say? Well, why should we sit down in 50s? If you sit down in 50s, we're going to give you dinner. <laughs> they had no idea how it was going to happen. <laughs> but they set them, had to sit them down in 50s. Now... As those of you who come from other nations know, we've got a strange habit in England of queuing. <laughs> okay? Most of the world doesn't know about queuing. But, and we're very organised on that. But imagine 20,000 Eastern people and you're going to have to get them to sit down in groups of 50. I tried this once, not with 20,000, but I remember once I was preaching in India And when I came to the end of my preaching, I said, I want to pray for three things. I want to pray for those of you coming to know Jesus for the first time. I want to pray for people who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray for people who are sick. So I want to organize you into these three groups. At that time, my congregation doubled. Why? Why? Someone went out into the street and said, he's going to pray for the sick. So loads of people came in. Hadn't heard me preach, but they all came in. And so suddenly with this doubled congregation, I said, okay, right. First, I'm going to start over here with those that want to receive Jesus to be saved. And at that point, everybody from all three groups moved over to here. (laughs) because <laughs> they say he's praying for people come on <laughs> so I could just imagine how difficult it was to get them all to sit down in 50s but actually doing this organisation was also a step of faith because we're organising for something we don't know how it's going to happen and it seems impossible for it to happen anyway but we're going to organise for it to happen that's a big challenge 
then handing out the food was a step of faith. I don't know what you think, how, what you think happened here, but Jesus had said to them, what do you have? Because they said, even half a year's wages wouldn't buy enough food to feed these people. And Jesus just said, what do you have? We've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, so how do you think that multiplied? It says that he took the five loaves of bread and the two fish and gave them to his 12 disciples. Now, those of you good at maths will be able to work out how much each one had. But on the fish, it's simple. Okay, each person, each disciple had a sixth of a fish. So, Jesus decided to feed them. When do you think the multiplication took place? It didn't take place that suddenly at the front, the mountains of food appeared. Because he just gave them the fish and the bread. So he came to the first person, and if you've divided it by 12... That's just about enough for one person to have something to eat. So I've come to the first person. Would you like something to eat? You're hungry? Okay. And so we give the bread and the fish. What have we got for the next person? Here it is. Bread and fish. You hungry, Diane? (laughs) So we come to the next person. (laughs) Bread and fish. Each time they gave out, the bread and fish was a step of faith. Okay. Now they would have become their faith would have grown a bit because it had happened a few times. (laughs) But each time was a step of faith. You understand? God's multiplication comes as we step out in obedience for obedient faith. Soon, everyone had eaten, and they even picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. God's lavish grace, his undeserved love, even though he'd fed around 15 to 20,000 people, God still gives too much. He's also telling us, don't leave litter. Okay, so so what does this story teach us? Firstly, multiplying faith comes in the context of pressure. If you're under pressure, that's the time for multiplying faith. Not when everything's going well, then you get a bit relaxed, you know? When you're exhausted. When we've given everything and have nothing else left to give. Even when this opposition and threat multiplying takes place. One of the countries that I'm working in, or have been working in, Scylla and I, the, a number of our pastors from other countries have been now 
told they can't come back into that country. Okay. And sadly, I've also been told I can't go there now. Scylla's got her visa, but not me. So, uh, but one of those churches whose pastor's now banned from going back to them, they had their recent church camp, and this is a place where it's very difficult to preach the gospel, where not many people are coming to faith. And at that church camp, they had 24 baptisms of new believers, the, f- the biggest number they've ever had, when their pastor isn't allowed to go. You understand? They're under pressure, but God is multiplying faith. The pressure, 21st century life, where people either have too much work or not enough work. Planting new churches is hard work. We're going to have to plant a lot more churches, send people. Sending people to other nations, not just short-term team like we're going to do in Lagos, but long-term sending people. We need to send some more people. Hard work. Nowadays, many countries you can't go to as a classical missionary. You have to get a job because you aren't allowed in otherwise. Starting new small groups. We're so grateful that so many people came forward in this church to enable us to multiply small groups. But it's hard work doing small groups. You know, you come home from work exhausted and then you have to have a load of people in your house and feed them if you do that in your group. Keep in touch with everyone during the week. It's hard work. Making sure people are okay. But hallelujah, God multiplies when it's hard. Helping the needy. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. And that means there's never enough to meet all the needs of the poor. How we have to obey in faith for God to multiply our fruitfulness, believing that God works miracles when we're under pressure. Multiplying faith also requires making available what we have. Jesus said to them, what do you have? He didn't. God doesn't multiply what you don't have. And he could have done. But in the story he didn't. When the people of Israel went through the wilderness, God brought food out of nothing. He didn't do that here. And it's not his usual way of working. Usually, you bring what you have, give that to Jesus, and he multiplies it. And they didn't have much. Yeah, it would be laughable, wouldn't it? You imagine. We're going to feed 20,000 people what you got. Five loaves of bread and two fish. (laughs) But what do you have? What are your gifts, your talents, your finances, your understanding of truth? Even that's very little at the moment. That's okay. Share what you've got. 
your time availability, make it available to Jesus. He looks at what we have and our obedience of faith with that, not what we don't have. He can provide that. Which leads me to the next thing. God provides resources when he has spoken. Jesus said, you give them to eat something to eat. He never tells us to do anything as churches or as individuals that he will not provide the resources for. Do you believe that? God asks you to do something, he will provide what you need. God calls us to do things as a church, he will do what we need. He will provide what we need. As individuals, he will give us resources of anointing, resources of grace for time of need, it says. He gives grace in time of need. Sometimes I I think of people who are in prison for their faith. I think, I don't know how I could do that. Well, God gives grace for when you are in that situation, not for the situation in which you're not. God gives you grace to sort out where you are in the situation. Some of you, this is, I just feel, some of you are under real pressure at the moment. It could be for all sorts of reasons. You're under real pressure. And you say, I haven't got anything. God will say to you, I will give grace in your time of need. And you need to hear that. And compassion is essential. Jesus here is motivated by compassion. He wasn't just motivated by numbers. Oh, it's a big crowd. You know, statistics are not what motivate us. The needs of people motivate us. Don't ever think just in terms of statistics. Well, we've got, all the, we've got so many people, so many people, so many people. No, no, motivated by compassion for the needs of those people. That's what Jesus was. And, and there was a lesson being taught to the disciples. See, the disciples often said, send people away. Here, he said, send, send the crowd away. On another occasion, people brought children to Jesus and the disciples. Send them away. Jesus can't be bothered with children. How false that is. Send them away. Oh, they're making a noise. Send them away. No, 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 no. Bring them in. There was a woman from outside of Israel who came to Jesus. And because her child was afflicted by a demon. And she kept saying, come, please help me. And the disciples said, send her away. Jesus was teaching his disciples to be motivated by compassion. And sometimes even being with lots of people can be exhausting and being a pressure. No, people are not to be sent away. They're to be shown compassion. And compassion led Jesus to teaching and healing. It reads a bit strange, really, to our ears. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Say, so why teach them? When they've got all sorts of hurts and pain, 
because teaching the truth of the word of God is what people need when they're in tough times because they are afflicted by the pressures of their culture like so many are today in our culture so much pressure, pressure, pressure on young people so many pressurised jobs people need to be taught to be free of the pressures of what their culture puts upon them Teaching is not cold or analytical, but out of compassion, because truth sets people free. Healing. Physically, Jesus, physical healing. Jesus is compassionate as well as powerful in his healing ministry. And emotionally, he heals the afflicted, the brokenhearted, the rejected, the despised. That's what he heals. So, conclusion. God's in the business of multiplication. Let us believe that for the future. I said when I was preaching in the West. I said, well, you might say, well, we've already multiplied to us. I said, no, no. Your addition. <laughs> addition is different from multiplication. <laughs> yeah, even that's... Even... People not terribly mathematical understand that. This is multiplication. This is believing God for many things to happen. Let us multiply disciples. That's to be our calling. That's why we want everybody to be involved in things. Because as you get involved, then you grow in your faith. It's not that you sit around until you've grown in your faith, then you get involved. As you get involved, you grow in your faith. We're not sent out just to preach and teach, but to make disciples who themselves make disciples. And let's trust God for multiplication of miracles as we bring him our little resources. Multiply church planting, multiply healings, multiply disciples by seeing them established more quickly. Let's trust God for multiplication. Now I'm going to read the scripture to you as we close. I do it at the end. Two reasons. Firstly, you can check then whether I've taught you what's right. And secondly, because that leaves you with the word of God rather than my words. So here we go. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread. No bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt or extra coat. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah. Others still claimed 
He is, still others claimed, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, so it was pretty crowded where they were when they started, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five. And two fish. <laughs> then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Some of the gospels say fifties, some say hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Great story, isn't it? Okay, I believe God wants to multiply our faith and have faith to see multiplication. If we can stand, let's stand before him. First, if you're part of this church, just hold out your hands to the Lord. If you're not part, then it's fine, you can do the same. I just feel something for the church here. Father, I believe you're saying to us, the Lord Jesus is saying to us, what do you have? And Lord, we feel we don't have very much. But Lord, we say, what we have will you use to multiply things. Lord, as a church, we do want to multiply. We want to multiply over these next years with more church planting, with more people sent on mission, with more, many more groups. Lord, we haven't even got the people for more groups, but Lord, you can give that. Lord, I pray, help us and let us move in obedient faith. Lord, I pray for those who are new believers here. Help them to just share what they have 
with others, many of them unbelievers, even if they don't understand everything yet, Lord, none of us understand everything anyway. Lord, I just pray, let them multiply, multiply, multiply. Father, we pray. Lord, we ask for your grace. And I pray now for individuals here who are going through tough times. I pray, let them believe you for multiplied blessings and multiplied fruitfulness in their hard times. Lord, I ask you for that right now. Some of you need to specifically respond to that and there will be people to pray with you afterwards. And I believe if you're in that situation, I just said some of you are, that you, it's tough, it's pressurized, you're working too hard, some of you. But God would say, I'm going to multiply your fruitfulness in these circumstances. If that's you, just come and get individual prayer at the end. Father, I pray, thank you that you multiply and you're calling us to multiply in our faith. Father, we commit this to you right now. We thank you for your grace and all you're doing. And we're going to believe you and trust you, even though we don't have much. Father, be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Some of you are getting individual prayer already. Others of you want it. Please, after we finish the service, just come and get that. Okay. If you've got children here, you need to go and get them. And uh, we'll bring things to a close there. But if you need individual prayer, please come and get it. God bless you. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.